So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the Old Testament today, and we're going to look at Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're in a series called The Miracles of Jesus, but today we're going to take a little pause, and we're going to talk about praying a breakthrough prayer. And the reason we're going to do this is because several people want to know how to pray for a miracle. So this is a great opportunity today to look at a miracle that God did in the Old Testament so that we can learn how to pray for a miracle. All right, so y'all with me on that? All right. So the three of you, we were going the and you the three of you and me, we're going to go on a nice journey today while everybody else takes a nap. All right. So today what we're going to talk about is not a normal prayer. Because normally when we pray, uh, and I like to visualize it like this. We pray for God to add things to our life. For example, James tells us to pray for wisdom. God, would you, would you grant me more wisdom? And maybe you're like me and you pray the dumb prayer and that's asking God for patience. You ever prayed and asked God for patience? Yeah, yeah, I'm the dummy that's done that. So you don't do that, okay? All right. So we, but we pray for God to add things to our life. Hey, God, would you give me more money? I need a, a better job or, or more money to our, our family budget. Uh, and maybe some of you guys who are, who are struggling this morning, you're feeling a little sluggish, right? Because uh, some of you men, your wife wasn't at home to make you breakfast or your coffee this morning. So you came in and you had our coffee. And so you're praying for God to bless that caffeine rush to wake you up, right? And give you a little pick-me-up this morning. But anyway, this is how we normally pray. We normally pray for God to, to add to our life. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually fine to do that. But the prayer that we're going to look at today from the Old Testament is different. Okay, this isn't about asking God for more. This is about asking to learn, learning to ask God for everything. So in other words, it's this idea of that when we're at a place where we're just We've tried super hard to solve our, our, our problem. We've done everything that we possibly know that we could do to solve it. We've seen the doctor. We've talked to the counselor. We've met with our friend. We've gone to church. We, whatever it is, we've done everything that we possibly can do, and we're just at the end, so we give up. So I'm talking about being at that place today where we need the hand of God himself to reach down from heaven and fix the situation. That's the kind of miracle that we need, and that's what we're talking about today. That's the kind of prayer that we're going to look at. And remember, Scripture is given to us as an outline for many issues in life. And today, this prayer that we're going to look at is one of them. So here's a little bit of the backstory, and then we have a ton of Scripture to go through today. It's going to be really good. All right, so Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. He's the fourth king of the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, if you don't know your Old Testament, this is after Israel has been split into two kingdoms, the northern and the southern. Judah is the southern. This is where Jerusalem is at. He's 35 years old when he becomes king of Judah, and he reigned for 25 years from the throne in Jerusalem. And at one point, he found himself at odds with three foreign nations all at the same time. So all three of these nations, they all partner up to attack Jerusalem. They're coming after King Jehoshaphat. And when the king knew that his army in Jerusalem could not stand up to the power of these three unified countries, because he looked at the numbers and he go, man, the odds are forever not in my favor. 
So Jehoshaphat begins to look to God. He begins to seek him and he prays the prayer that we're gonna look at today because he was seeking a breakthrough. So in your outline or in your Bible, Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting at verse one, join with me. After this, so because there was a spiritual revival that had taken place, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Minunites, these were the kingdoms that were located, by the way, in modern-day Jordan, so on the other side, east coast of the Dead Sea. These, companies came, uh, these, these countries came to rage war against Jehoshaphat, verse 2. Some people, came and told, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom and from the other side of the Dead Sea, and it's already in Hezuzon Tamar. That is Ein Gedi. Now let me stop right there. Ein Gedi is on the west coast of the Dead Sea. It's approximately 50 miles from Jerusalem. This is the same place where King David hid from Saul. And I was there this last January, and it's a wonderful paradise of a place. And by the way, this is one of the only places on the west coast of the Dead Sea where there's fresh water to drink. This is why these these countries are camped here, so about 50 miles away from Jerusalem. So King Jehoshaphat knows that they're not too far away, and his army has no fighting chance against them. Verse 3. So alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. His only option, folks, is to look for God for the solution. And he's, he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now verse 4. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, now let's hold right there. We're going to look at this prayer today. And we're going to see three things that he does in this prayer. And they're not in your notes, but you can jot them down if you want to. The first thing we're going to see is that he prays privately. He sought God in the midst of the crisis in front of him. He knew that he could not fix the situation. His only option left was to seek and pray to God. The second thing is, is he enlists other people to pray with him. And so I'm going to take this time right now to invite you to be part of one of our prayer ministries here at First Baptist. James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Amen? Amen, church? All right, so let's start with your, your, your small groups, right? Every one of our Bible study small groups has prayer time. They do a great job of praying for you and praying for all the folks in the, in the various groups. And uh, so we want to encourage you to join a group. By the way, that's how we make our larger church. There's 250 of you here. That's how, this is how we make the larger church feel smaller. And that's where you will be known. That's where you'll be cared for and you will be prayed for. So I want to encourage you to join a group. Also, everybody in the church is invited to uh, partake of our church-wide email prayer ministry. How many of you guys get that? Raise your hand. Okay, not a whole lot of you, but a lot of you probably would like to. So here's what you can do. If you would like to join the prayer list, that comes every Tuesday, I want to invite you to fill out that connection card that's right in front of you. On the back side, I want you to write the word prayer list. Make sure we have an accurate email address, and you're going to put that connection card into the boxes on the wall in the lobby along with your offering, and then uh, you'll be able to be on that list, and it goes out every Tuesday, all right? Now, you can also use that connection card that you have right in front of us to allow the body of Christ to pray for you. 
Put your prayer request down on that. Let us pray for you. Let us come alongside of you with the, the impending issues that you have in your life. God does not want you to go through life alone. You were never meant to go through life alone. So jot your prayer request down on that same card and our staff and our church, we will lift you up and pray for you that breakthrough that you are needing from the Lord. Additionally, this goes out specifically to the men in the house. We're the guys, woo-woo, men. All right, there's about six of you here, okay. All right, so men, this goes out to all of you guys. Uh, we have men's prayer that happens every Wednesday morning here on campus at 7 a.m. in the 200 building. So men, you are invited to participate. Just show up, join the party, because that's what it is. Pray for the ministry of our church Wednesdays, 7 a.m. in the 200 building, all right? So everybody with me? Good. Third thing that Jehoshaphat did is this, and I want you to notice this, because this is what we're going to drill in on today, is that he prays publicly. Some of you are in a season right now where you need a breakthrough. You need, you need this outline that we're going to look at today. Others of you, you may not be in a season right now where you need a breakthrough, but listen, the storm is coming. And it's only going to be the hand of God that will be able to get you through what you're going to endure in the future. So in your outline today, how to pray a breakthrough prayer. The first thing we're going to do is this. We're going to start by focusing on God and not on my problem. Many folks, what happens is when they pray, they focus right on the problem. They just go right there. Boom, right to the problem. They go straight to their I need list, right? And it sounds something like this. Lord, I'm having health issues. I need fill in the blank. Lord, my relationship is in a mess right now. And I need dot, 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 fill in the blank. Lord, my finances are in a must. I, I need financial help. Please, God. And this is what we do. We go, we go right to the I need list, whatever the problem is. And so what happens when we do that is we go deeper and deeper and deeper into the very problem that we're wanting God to solve. And the result is we often experience more despair and more discouragement. Jehoshaphat, instead, he, he does something different. He doesn't pray the I need prayer. Instead, he pivots away from that and he's gonna focus on who God is and not the problem at hand. Friends, when we do this and when we allow God to actually be God, what an immaculate idea that is, right? But when we allow God to actually be a God, it changes our view of him. It changes our view of his capabilities. It allows us to realize that whatever problem is in front of us, it pales in comparison to who he is. He's the God who spoke the universe into existence. Imagine that. And so if you look in verse 3, it says, Alarm Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord. And then he does four things in his prayer. And this is in your notes. We see Jehoshaphat's outline in verses 6 through 13 to guide us here. Here it is. The first thing is, is I remind myself of God's greatness. This is the first part of praying a breakthrough prayer. It's pivoting away from the I need list. So don't focus on the problems. Instead, remind yourself of God's greatness. Look what Jehoshaphat says in verse 6. He said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, 
Are you not the God who is in heaven? Now stop right there. In other words, if you're the God who is in heaven and you created all things from nothing, what's my little problem? So he just gets right into this mindset of who God is. God is in heaven, and God is way bigger than whatever issue is before him. Congregation, God is bigger than whatever issue is in front of you. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And what does it say, church? No one can withstand you. And so he begins to just focus on how great and how mighty God is. The second thing is this, is we remind ourselves of his unlimited power. I remind myself of his greatness and then his unlimited power. That's what I need to do. Look at verse 7, Jehoshaphat's example. He says, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? We remind ourselves of all the things that God has done for us. All the answered prayers in your life. The miracles, the blessings that he's given you. All of these things. This is what we go to. The provision he's given you. Have you had breakfast this morning? Did you have dinner last night? God is taking care of you. In the Old Testament, by the way, whenever the Jews would have an experience with God. Do you know what they did? They would build some kind of a monument or a marker or, or, or an altar or something to remember the event that took place. And the reason why they did this is so that whenever they returned to that location, they could remember what God did there. And so Jehoshaphat is reminding himself of God's power. By the way, if you were to travel to the Holy Land, you'd go all over the place, you'd see all these Markers and, and, and statues and, and churches and stuff to remind us all, all of us visitors, of what God did at this place. The next point, uh, and this one's sort of counterintuitive, is that I need to remind God of his promises. Now think about this for a second. God is not old, he's not stumbling around in heaven, and he's not suffering with dementia. He's not doing that. Scripture said he never gets tired. All right? I need to do this. Why? Because it drives God's promises deeper and deeper into my heart and into my mind. Scripture says, I've hidden your word, where? In my heart, so that I will not sin against God. Jehoshaphat, he's doing this. The second half of verse 7 says this. And give it forever to the descendants of of Abraham, your friend. In other words, he he reminds God of the promise that he gave to Abraham. Now, God didn't need to be reminded. No, God knew. This was for Jehoshaphat's faith to be increased. Congregation, reminding God of his promises is always about reminding me and you of what he's done. All right? Fourth point is we've got to ask God for a breakthrough. The three armies are coming for King Jehoshaphat to destroy Judah. Jehoshaphat needs a miracle. He needs a breakthrough. So let's look at verse 10. And he says, But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them, 
and did not destroy them. Pause. And now, God, I'm asking you, since they want to destroy us, will you help us? Verse 11. See how they're repaying us? By coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. The promised land. So here's an important part of any prayer that we pray. Is that we need to pray specifically. So I just want to encourage you to do that in your life. What do you need in life? Do you need a healing? Do you need health? Do you need relationship help? Do you need financial help? Whatever it is that you need help with and you're going to the Lord to pray for, congregation, I just want to encourage you, be specific. Don't be so vague. Jehoshaphat prays a specific prayer here. God, you promised your people this land, and these invaders are coming to take it from us. And I'm asking you to deliver us. And when we pray specifically, here's what happens with us. We get in alignment with God. It focuses our hearts and our minds. So the first part of praying a breakthrough prayer, everybody, is focusing on God and not the problem at hand. The second thing, number two in your outline, is we need to tell God, I can't do this. I need you to do this, Lord. We come to a place where we're just at our wit's end. You know what we need to do? We need to get out of the way. (laughs) We need to say, Lord, I can't do this. Only you can. And I'm not going to try and help you. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to totally let you do you. That's what we need to do. Now, why do we need to do that? Because we're the ones that need the breakthrough. And we can't solve this problem on our own because if we could, we would have already done it. Look at verse 12. He says, our God, bless you. He says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And if we we did have power, look what he says. We don't even know what to do. But our eyes are on you, verse 13. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, look what they did. They stood before there before the Lord. They stood there before the Lord. They stood there before the Lord. So they're focusing on God with a heart of humble submission. And in verse 12, it says, we have no power. And in verse 6, remember it said, power and might are in your hand. So the question isn't who has the power. The question is, since we are powerless, will we choose to connect to the one who has the power? It's kind of like a vacuum cleaner. If you want it to work, you actually have to plug it into the wall. right? We don't need to be all-knowing. We don't need to be all-powerful. In fact, the sooner we realize that we're not, the better off we're going to be. But But what we do need to do is connect to the one who is all-powerful. Congregation, this is about a, a heart of humble submission. God, I need you. And Jehoshaphat understands this. If you've ever gone through Celebrate Recovery or any kind of a recovery program, one of the first things is acknowledging that I can't overcome my problem. Because if I could, then I wouldn't even be in the room. And I wouldn't have a problem, and I wouldn't need to be there. 
It's just coming to a place of submission and saying, Lord, I just have no control over this tendency, whatever it is. So it's God, I can't do this. It's God, I need you. Like verse 13 says, they stood before the Lord. Congregation, this is a picture of trusting. Let God be God. Verse uh, number three. Listen to what God says. Now catch this, everybody. Prayer is not a monologue. Sometimes we treat it that way. We just will start in and we'll just go down the shopping list. Lord, give me this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Give me what I think I need to make it through the day. But it's not a monologue, right? Prayer is a dialogue. We speak to God and then God speaks to us. Remember, God already knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. He's not surprised by anything that's going on in your life or mine. And so it's really more important for us to receive one single word from him than it is for us to speak 10,000 to him. Now, for me personally, this has happened a bunch over, over the years. I'll be going through something, and, and God will lay a, a passage of Scripture on my heart. Sometimes it's the actual verse, and I'll remember the verse and quote it. Other times, it's a, it's a Bible reference, like, say, Psalm 40 or, or something like that. And I've just learned to grab my Bible when that happens and flip to, to the verse. And then I'll read the passage, and, and folks, I can't tell you how many times I get that, but it's like, wow, that verse is exactly what I need. Other times, I'll, I'll jot the verse down and go, hmm, that's kind of weird, um, but okay. And then what happens is like three weeks later, a situation shows up, and it's like, ooh, that verse. I needed that verse. So it's just, it, it, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and, and so it's way more important for us to receive one word from God than it is for us to speak a thousand to God. Okay. Now, how does God speak to us? Primarily through his written word. In verse 14, the word of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and the, he was a Levite and the descendant of Asaph, who was a prominent Levite singer. And that's an important piece here because look what it says now in verse 15. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but whose is it, church? It is God's. It's pretty awesome. Now, verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But wait a second here. Our human nature is to be afraid. It is to be discouraged. But he continues on. He says this. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Verse 18. So Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And what a beautiful picture this is, right? The people all fell down in worship before the Lord. Folks, the same message comes to us today. When we're at a place where we need a breakthrough and we're at a, we're, we've like lost all hope and it's like, God, you're the only one who's gonna get me through this. God says to us through this, 
don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Yeah, it's our human nature. But recognize, congregation, that fear and discouragement are all part of that old nature. That's not part of the new nature of living in the Spirit. God tells us, relax. I got this. That's the first part of the breakthrough prayer, right? Focusing on who God is. Don't focus on the problem. You've heard me say this before. Faith and fear cannot coexist in the same space at the same time. Okay? The battle belongs to the Lord. God says, I got this. I'll handle it. How can you know if you're the one fighting your battles? Real simple. If you're tired and fatigued. That's how you know. Because you keep running into the same obstacle in front of you. Give it over to God. By the way, he's undefeated. He's the heavyweight champ of the world. Okay? He's never lost. Right? And this verse also says that watch the deliverance that the Lord's going to give you. That's exciting, folks. And if you've ever worked yourself into a frenzy and you're just kind of a, a mental and emotional mess, that's because you haven't allowed God to be your focus. Your problems have been there. And when you're at that spot, hear me, there's nothing in you that wants to sit back, relax, and let God be God. Everything you want to do is get this thing solved right now. And we can't do that. That's part of our flesh. Because in our flesh, what we want is we want to solve the problem. And if we can't solve the problem, what do you do? We run from the problem. How many people have you heard in the last couple years? If they have a problem with California, what do they do? They just move to Idaho, right? Because everybody knows that if you just move to Idaho, then you'll have no more problems, right? Well, the truth is, is when you move to Idaho or if you move to Tennessee or Texas or, or Tahiti, that's where I want to go, by the way. Everywhere you go, there you are. So Jehoshaphat, he's decided to obey the word of the Lord. He's going to sit back, relax, wait, watch, and see. What's God going to do? In verse 20, now, this is not in your outline, but here's what it says. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Now, translation for us is trust in God. Trust in God. Trust the Bible that you have open in your lap right now. Trust that your faith can be expanded. Trust God's word for success in life. Trust that God will keep every single last promise he made. Read the word, congregation. Listen to the word. Speak it. Study it. Consume it. Live it. Preach it. Believe it. Listen to what God says. Number four in your outline. Thank God in advance for the answer. Now, this is pretty awesome. We need to learn to thank God in advance for the answer. It's what Jehoshaphat did. Look at verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat, now notice his battle plan here. This is pretty sweet. Jehoshaphat appoints men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. 
and as they went out ahead of the army. Here's what he did. He enlisted the worship band. That's what he did. He, worshiped, he enlisted the worship team. Now, hold on a second here. We see in the news all the time right now about a war going on on the other side of the world in Ukraine. And there's all the different war strategies and stuff that, that's taking place. But here's God's war strategy. He says, we're going to take a few guys who can sing. And we're going to put them out in front of the army and the marines and the special ops guys. In fact, if you're on the special ops team, you're not going to do anything except look cool. You're just going to watch what happens. The praise team is what we need. In fact, they're going to go out in front. They're going to worship God. In fact, everybody, that's all we're going to need today. Now, I'm pretty sure, in fact, I'm positive that that's not how General Patton or MacArthur would have drawn the story up. Right? But here's the lesson. God's way of winning a war is completely different than ours. He draws it up differently than we would. We want to put the special ops guys out in front because they're trained to blow things up. The praise team, you know where we put them? We put them in the back because they just make us feel good. But God says, no, 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 no. Put the praise team out in front and you'll win. Why is that? Real simple. Because our God wants to be worshipped. He loves the praise of his people. Have you read Psalms 136 and 139 recently? It's a reminder to us. Let everything that has breath, what church? Praise the Lord. Quit trying to help God win your battles. Let him be God. He knows what he's doing. Give him praise in your storms. We talked about that last week. And the story continues. Here's what they end up doing. They end up singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures for forever. Hey, we can do that. We can do that. In fact, we have lots of songs with those lyrics. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set, and here's what he did, what does he do? The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated, verse 23. The Ammonites and the Moabites, they teamed together. They rose up against the men from Mount Seir, and they destroyed and annihilated them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. All three countries turned on each other, all while the praise team of Jerusalem, with Kevin on lead guitar, um, was singing a song while marching to battle. Now, this is crazy, but this is what happened. And what does it mean to us today? It means when we praise God in advance, we're verbalizing our faith before it happens. This is a principle that we all need to see, and it happens throughout Scripture. We're called to walk by faith, everybody, not by sight. We believe in a God who will do things, amen? Do you believe that God will do it before he does it? Are you actually believing that in your life? That's a rhetorical question, but I want you to think about that. My encouragement to you today, thank God in advance for the answer he's gonna give you. Last one, number five. Expect God to turn battles into blessings. Look at verse 24 with me. 
when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Now remember, congregation, all they did was sing a song. Verse 25. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Verse 26. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. And all of you Hebrew junkies out here, this word means blessings, okay? The valley of blessings. So they assembled there. And they praise the Lord. And this is why it's called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Verse 27. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. Congregation, this whole story is a powerful reminder to us. that when we're at a place where we need a breakthrough, not more wisdom... Not more patience, not more strength, not those kind of things. But when we're at a place where we need a breakthrough in life, God's way of breaking through is so much different than our way of doing it. And we have to come back and trust him in it. And here's what's interesting in the story. They end up having more blessings than they could actually accumulate it took several days to haul it all in and as a result they go back and and did you pick up on this nobody from their team was dead and their love for god had increased because of the lord's provision for them their faith was strengthened and then they share all the blessings in the community with the rest of the people who were behind in the city So let's just pause for a second here. Maybe you don't need a breakthrough right now in your life. Maybe you're just at a point where everything's okay. But there is going to come a time when you're going to be there. And the question is, what are you going to do when that time arises? As a pastor, I would say, hold on to this outline that you have today. Remember the story, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I believe God has given us this in his word for a reason. This isn't just a historical fact. This is given to us by God so that we can apply the transferable principles into our own situations. Now, why would God even do that? It's so that we will be able to live in the valley of blessings as well. I believe God wants us to live there. Amen? So I just want to encourage you, my friends, today. Step out in faith. Trust him. Focus on God, not your problems. Tell God, I can't do this. God, I need you to do this. Listen to what he says in his word. Thank him in advance for his answer. Praise him in the midst of your storms. Eliminate your fears. His love endures for forever. And I want to encourage you to expect him to turn your battle into a blessing. 
Will you trust him today? Would you trust him? I'm going to invite you to stand and pray with me this morning. Father, as we just come before you in your presence here today, Lord, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us about how to pray a breakthrough prayer, Lord. And some of us today, we are, we are needing a miracle. Father, as I hear stories from folks in this room that they've shared with me, and Lord, my heart just breaks. But their situations are nothing new to you. So, Father, I just lift them up to you today. I pray that you strengthen their faith. Strengthen all of our faith today, God. Father, as we are here today, we're seeking you. Again, we thank you, Lord, for this outline of Jehoshaphat and and what it teaches us on how to focus and to pray to you. So, Lord, I just pray for all of us as we take this in. God, that our minds and our hearts will be focused on you. Lord, for those of us who are not in storms right now, but the storms are coming, it's only a matter of time. Lord, I pray that this outline will be a useful resource to us to remember what your word says. God, we trust you. We love you. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for what Jesus has done for us. God, it is our hope and prayer that we will grow in faith as a result of being here today. So congregation, as I'm praying for you this morning, I pray that you ask God to increase your faith. The Bible says faith comes from hearing the word of God. Increase the amount of the word of God into your life if you want your faith to increase. That's my prayer for you today. Others in this room today, As we're praying, today's the day where maybe the Lord is touching your heart. Maybe you've never experienced a a new and revitalizing relationship with Jesus. My heart's going to you today. I'm praying on your behalf that you will say yes to Jesus. He's knocking at the door of your heart. I just want to encourage you to trust him and to put your faith in him. Just admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Believe that Christ, Jesus is who he says he was and confess him as Lord. It's as simple as ABC. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if that's you today, I wanna encourage you to take a step of faith and respond to the Lord today. So Lord, we thank you for this day that we have to worship. We ask you bless our day in Christ's name. Amen.